Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Just a, just a simple question. What is power? How would you answer that? Is is power a tsunami? I mean, damn, tsunamis are really powerful. Is is power uh, an army or five armies or a hundred armies? They could they could really wreak some havoc too. Probably similar to the tsunami. What about like a whole savanna of nuclear power plants? As far as the eye can see, nuclear power plants, just just an ocean of them. Is that powerful? Humanity's really kind of gone through the ringer and uh, we're kind of bumping up against ourselves. And we're kind of... We're kind of hungry for some better answers. We're, we're hungry for a better narrative. Is, is God powerful? Is God the, the top of the chart? What do you think? I think we're in for a fantastic episode tonight. I'm very excited for the show. The topic tonight, Climate Cure. Heal yourself to heal the planet. And our guest tonight is Jack Adam Weber. We're going to bring him on in just a minute. But but what is what is powerful? You know that all the things I listed about how to measure power in the beginning of this monologue is an expression of nature. Is nature powerful? I would suggest you nature is more more than powerful. I don't think we can make a number big enough to represent how powerful nature is. I've done some really conservative math and nature has been expressing itself as itself on this planet for a billion years. Is nature done being creative? I don't think so. Nature shows no sign of stopping. Its infinite pattern of expressing itself in new and dynamic ways. Have you ever been out of town at night away from the light pollution of cities and looked up into the night sky with your naked eye being able to see the banding of the Milky Way galaxy? Damn, damn, 
billions upon billions of galaxies, planets, universes, all nature expressing itself. Nature, by, by no means whatsoever, is broken. Nature's not broken at all. At all. Nature doesn't need humanity to fix it. Nature knows exactly what it's doing. If we look at the expression of nature now here today, what a fantastic, what a glorious thing this this expression of nature is. It's so beautiful. The blossom of a rose. It's so curious. The genome of an octopus. It's so um, moving like a, a sunset over the ocean. Nature's not broken, not, not by any means. And it's not humanity's responsibility to fix nature. It's not. Nature knows what the hell she's doing. I think we're going to have so much to talk about. I think it, we should get right to it. Again, I'm excited. I'm excited for the show tonight because the topic is called Climate Cure, Heal Yourself to Heal the Planet. And that's the name of Jack Adam Weber's book, a fantastic book. I, I such a well-written book. I really like this book. We're going to be talking to Jack in just a minute. Instead of falling prey to eco-anxiety, you can use Jack's book not only to cope with climate distress, but also leverage your difficult emotions into potent forces for hope and regeneration. Climate Cure shows you how to revitalize your life and the world from the inside out, encouraging you to embody the phrase, heal yourself, heal the planet. Jack introduces you to a triangle of resilient relationships with yourself, the natural world, and your community. He proposes that the root of our climate crisis comes from a breakdown of these relationships and offers heartfelt self-care exercises to help you become part of the solution. This unique groundbreaking book presents innovative techniques that inspire you to take action in the spirit of interconnection and regeneration. Jack is a traditional Chinese medicine physician, a poet, a climate activist, and organic farmer. He is also the creator of the Nourish Practice, an earth-centered rejuvenation and meditation practice. He offers presentations, workshops, and readings integrating holistic medicine, environmental activism, deep ecology, poetry, and meditation. 
You can learn more about Jack at jackadamweber.com. That's Weber with one B, W-E-B-E-R, jackadamweber.com. Join me in welcoming Jack to the show. Jack, I'm so glad to have you on the show tonight. Thanks, Les. I'm, I'm ready to groove with you. Bravo. It's quite clear. I love your book. What a wonderful book. It's quite clear that you take a different approach to the notion of, of our, our climate situation. Your book, your book clearly represents a completely different perspective than perhaps the mainstream idea of, of the, quote, climate crisis, unquote, where we find ourselves in. Can you give us some of your background as to how you came about this unique perspective? Yeah. Um, you know, I think ever since I was little, um, at least little, little enough and, and big enough to, um, to write, I've, I've been a philosopher. And I've always been prodding the marrow of, of life and existence for, you know, what's really at the core of being human and um, finding our place in the world. So, you know, that path, I've just, it's been a constant passion for decades and I'm 53 years old now. And, you know, it's, it's accumulated, you know, into that amalgamation of inquiry, a number of disciplines and a number of lenses to, to explore what I just described. And so depth psychology has been a great interest of mine. I've been through a lot of therapy myself and I've studied psychology. I have psychologist mentors and I've been through, you know, uh, a, a couple significant death and rebirth, you know, dark night of the soul events. Um, and I've had to go through the trenches a lot. And I'm also super close to the natural world. So, you know, my study of natural medicine, Chinese medicine in particular, is really a body of medicine that is a mirror of the natural world and the Taoists and the ancient Chinese just, you know, studied and, and, and meditated with natural world and created a medicine out of that because we are not separate from the natural world. So that's the beautiful thing about Chinese medicine that really kind of rocked my world when I was in Chinese medicine school. And I really got off on the poetics and, you know, and I, so we studied a lot of stuff about how to cure disease processes in school and, and, you know, I think I was even more interested in, in how to live fully because the, the five elements in yin-yang are really a model for how to live fully and live in the fullness of nature. And, the, and, and that fullness of nature is our own nature. So how to really embody our fullness. And that requires interfacing with, you know, our own brains, our nervous systems, our, our physical bodies. Um, our sort of ethereal or, you know, spiritual essence, if you want to call it that. 
And so that's just a little bit of the background. And, you know, I got interested in climate change because like our planet is pretty sick and, you know, I'm, I take care of sick patients and um, I kind of realize if our planet is so sick, you know, how, how are we going to be able to be well? And so this inner outer dynamic of, you know, the full human being in, in dance with the natural world is, is the essence of, of, of Taoism, of Chinese medicine health, holistic health, and it's the essence of how we live on the planet in a sustainable way. And we're, we're way out of that realm right now. And so I've taken my healing skills and my, you know, deep interests and, and philosophical bent, my poetic bent, um, and I've combined all that stuff into a crazy book, which is Climate Cure, which you mentioned. And I just love grooving on all those things together and it's very challenging but i feel like the world is so complex you know people really try to dumb down the world and dumb down what it is to be human and i I think that's a big cause of of where we've gone wrong because life really isn't that simple and it's it's very complex and and when we embrace that complexity and, and even the the seeming contradictions of life and and what what seems ill one day can be uh, you know, a font of health the next and what's a font of health one day can, you know, turn into another man's poison the next day. So it requires, I think, a lot of skillfulness and a lot of really paying attention to the world and and especially dealing with difficulty. Learning how to deal with difficulty is incredibly important. So kind of a long-winded answer to your, to your question, but you kind of asked for it a little bit. <laughs> Hold my feet to the fire. I love that. Thank you so much. Well, you know, um, like we we can talk about um, the the distress that nature's under, and there's examples of like abandoned cities on the globe where where once the the human touch is removed, in other words, the city is abandoned, nature rushes in and finds its own equilibrium, finds its own harmony, and returns mm. uh, some of the grace to it. So mm-hmm. so it, it's not, uh, for me it seems like humanity has got gotten out of alignment with its own harmony, and it's our disharmony that we project into the physical realm with our choices and our and our industries and whatnot that it's it's kind of the the incongruency or the disharmonious uh, boy that's a word aspect of our <laughs> human demeanor that that is pushing against the natural harmony of nature uh, and in your book Again, I, I really like your book. Your book is is looking at the human persona and looking to kind of restore that harmony within the human persona to help bring nature back to a more harmonious expression. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
You know, it makes absolute sense. I think that's that's you know one of the key messages of of the book that that at least I I describe the climate crisis as our own darkness coming back upon us and. You know, that kind of pings back to what I was saying, that, that life is complex. Being a human being is, is very complex. <laughs> and to really, you know, to make harmony outwards, you know, we have to find some kind of harmony in, inside. And I think that that's just been my passion throughout life. And I've succeeded and, and failed numerous times. And I keep getting back up and, you know, integrating the knowledge. But I, I'm right with you in, in how you describe that. Well, you know, and there, um, there, there are different ways, there are different ways to approach it, you know, like that the, the beauty of Chinese medicine is like that overarching metaphorical framework. So we can look at all kinds of enterprises, you know, within the lens of Chinese medicine. So we can see where science fits in that. We can see where getting vaccinated fits in that. We can see where, you know, improving our gut biome, you know, fits into that. We can see where, you know, sitting around in a, in a grief circle together fits in that. And, and, and that's the beautiful thing. And I think that's, you know, really a lot of what we're missing. And that's why I included it in the book, because, you know, if, if you don't have a, a philosophical framework that relies on balance and harmony, right, and we can call that love too, if you want, if, if, if we don't have that kind of a framework, then once we start down a path, it's really easy to get lost, right? And the beauty of yin yeah. and yang says, you know, helps, helps as a compass to, to find out where you are on that map. And, and if you don't mind my saying one more thing, you know, just like one example, you know, we are dealing with a heat issue on the planet right now. Okay. I mean, especially this past week with all the record temperatures in the Pacific Northwest, and it was hot as hell here, too, in California. But, you know, we're dealing with an excess yang situation on the planet. And, and that's happened because of our emissions and then, you know, the underpinning um, drivers that I mentioned that you mentioned, a relationship with ourselves, and that's like, you know, the, the, the healing integration work, a relationship with the natural world and, and when with one another, a community. And when, you know, when, when, when we overshoot and we, we need a means for which to examine and diagnose our own behavior on the planet, and that's what's so beautiful about yin and yang, and especially the, the five elements or the five phases, as they're called, which is kind of a, a greater differentiation of that. So, and I go into a lot, a lot of that in the book. And so I think it's a really great thing to have in our tool bag for how to view, you know, the situation. It gives us general guidance so then we can get that general guidance and walk down a path without getting lost in the woods. And, and we're, as a species, we're lost in the woods right now. We're on this industrial capitalistic suicide mission that is totally unsustainable, that's absolutely backwards, run by sociopaths, and we're, we're heading off the cliff pretty quickly. And there were some major climate reports and, you know, leaks of, a, of an IPCC document that came out this week that's, you know, on, online, and I've read several iterations of that. And it's saying that, um, that it, it's, it's even, even worse than, than we thought it was and worse than it was at the last report. 
Well, now, you you talked about earlier in the show that in your own personal life you went through episodes of upheaval and <clears throat> they gave you um, insights and, and there was a, a growth that happened from those that upheaval. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. 2020 comes along and gives the collective a gigantic upheaval. It's kind of an mm-hmm. opportune time in the wake of 2020 to kind of do the deeper work individually and collectively um, in the, quote, crisis, unquote, to see the incongruencies within, within our own self that might have been masked in 2019 and prior. How do you, how do you um, bring consciousness into the turmoil and, and use it to amplify the healing effect of the chaos? <laughs> Hell if I know. <laughs> Um, oh, I, come on I, now. Wait that. a minute. Stop I, I, know, I, know, I, say that, I know I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, you know, but a little bit seriously, too, because <laughs> I spend so much time educating and, you know, and, and I, I love debate. And so I, you know, like to debate, you know, climate deniers and science deniers. And um, anyway, so, you know, it's I, I mean, honestly, it's 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 a difficult question. I mean, there are lots of ways that that can happen. Um, But I think it, you know, that the most salient way, the most important way that can happen is for, for people to want it. And, and I think when people suffer enough, then they start looking for answers. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of us have to hit the wall and then fall bloodied on the floor in our, you know, in our own, in our own pool of messiness before we, you know, start looking for a different way to start mopping up our lives. And, and that's unfortunate. And, and I think I sort of discussed that in the book about how, you know, like in medicine, patients often come to see me when they've exhausted their resources in Western medicine and they come to me in bad shape a lot of the time. And it's, it's not easy to treat them. And, and people do that just with medical care anyway. You know, we don't really like going to, most people don't like going to the doctor. Or, you know, ignoring one's health is kind of an easy form of denial until it's not. And when you hit that proverbial wall, you start looking for different ways to do things. And so just picking up the, uh, the first part of, your, of the thread of what you said, you know, I, for whatever reason, maybe it's part of being a double Scorpio, but I you know, have, have dug very deep into my being and I went through tremendous um, healing processes that were amazingly difficult. And one of those was in my 20s, actually, when I was in graduate school for Chinese medicine, I was in a super tough program and I spent two and a half years in therapy going through um, grief work. And I just sort of found myself in that work Um, it kind of came naturally to me from the stepping stones that I had been on unwittingly up to that point. And that, that, that work was, um, the most poignant in my, in my life. And I can separate my life as before and after from that, that period. And it was much better after I 
cried, you know, for the love that I didn't get as a, as a kid in, in lots of different ways. And I didn't even know that stuff was inside me. And I'm actually in the process of um, creating an educational guide for how to approach that work, um, preferably in therapy, uh, so that people have tools and can know that that's possible. It's possible to heal our wounds from the past and to um, find more joy in life by going into the darkness and going into the grief and going into the, the things that haven't worked. And then the other major um, crisis and turning point um, and healing experience in my life was when I was 49, which was like four and a half, five years ago. And I went through uh, a, a major collapse. I mean, it's the scariest thing that has ever happened to me. I have OCD. That's a a mental disorder, so I have mental illness that's been with me in my life, and thankfully it's been mostly dormant and, and not a big deal, but it has flared up, and it really flared up um, a, a number of years ago, and I ended up in a treatment center with severe anxiety and depression. Um, I was pretty much on my deathbed, and that was the most terrifying thing that I've been through, and I learned a fuck of a lot from that. I learned a lot of how to deal with anxiety and how to deal with OCD in particular, and, and also how to claw my way out of depression. And so, um, you know, these, these challenges force us. You know, if you want to live, and if you want to live better, then challenges like this, you know, we're, pain, pain is the great mover, right? Pain is the great healer. And, and if we're paying attention and not trying to numb the pain, then we and we try to find an answer and we try to find a sustainable answer to, to work through our pain. And I'm a big, big fan of that. And I think that, that dealing with our pain is, is probably the greatest underbelly of all our crises that we're going through. Um, and the, you know, not dealing with pain creates a lot of emotional reactivity and emotional reactivity um, births uh, extremist ideas and um, dogma and and um, fascism, to, to to put it frankly. So, you know, dealing with our pain is 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 uh, paramount in in my book. Very powerful words. Very well spoken. Thank you for that. You know, um, if if we were to go on the other side of that pain, I mean, you're sharing episodes in your life that are very, very challenging for you. And if you were to go back in time to um, when perhaps you didn't know you had so much um, um, in your subconscious or whatever that needed to be released, that needed upheaval, that needed healing, what I'm getting at here is, okay, so I'm a listener to the show and I'm listening to the two of us talk, and you're talking mm -hmm. about this immense pain. Before it surfaces, it's kind of hard to detect. I mean, we, we all have this sense of, quote, normal, unquote, that we kind of get used to, and, and yet when something like these events flare up, we find that there's so much stuff suppressed and, and hidden in our psyche. 
just just share with the audience how it changes your life to be able to connect with the anguish and upheave it and cleanse it and purge it from your psyche and and the mm-hmm. resulting um, benefits in your own persona from that kind of that kind of a healing opportunity. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to just tweak your question just a little bit um, with and, and you can uh, yeah all right um, I I'm going to address how to go about discovering what's inside us. And you describe it so beautifully. I just want to say that it is rare for me to hear someone verbalize the inner terrain and this dark light kind of dark, you know, death and rebirth situation. Most people just don't really know about that. And the way that you verbalize it, you know, I don't know your history in this way, but I I sense that you've, you've had your tribulations in this way. And, you know, I, what, what came to me as you were speaking so eloquently is that I think we just need to make ourselves ripe for this kind of thing. And in this audio guide that I'm working on right now, this, this you know, depth psychology, dark night of the soul audio guide, I, I, I discuss something called the 10 transformational tools. And, um, and then I also, and, and those are kind of like, the, the psycho, spiritual, physical aptitudes that, that I use to, um, to get into this stuff. And prior to that, I discussed something called the, um, uh, let's see, yeah, the, the six noble dispositions. And one of those dispositions is sensitivity. And I think that, you know, sensitivity is a really, really important capacity to have and I think as we're sensitive that's you know the 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 soft spot into the the soil of our bodies where we can begin to you know excavate a little bit and when things pop up in our lives you know like every day I think that we have the opportunity to to reveal our pain and to reveal our unconscious I mean life presents opportunities all the time for us to do our work and if we're sensitive enough, and if, and if our awareness is sensitive enough, and if we're honest enough, and honesty is another one of the six noble dispositions, you know, self-honesty is right there with pain, you know, dealing with our pain as, as, as one of the greatest aptitudes and, and dispositions that we can have. And so if we're paying attention, and we want, and another of the six noble dispositions is passion. And if we and if we have the passion to to want to better ourselves and want to better our lives, and I think we all have an intuitive sense of what's in our hearts, what our lives are really capable of. I think we all intuitively sense that kind of full flourishing, and and yet it's really hard to get to. And I think each person has a unique path to that. But I also think that there are common denominations for you know tools and dispositions that that we need to kind of cultivate that kind of um, transformation and that kind of blossoming into wholeness. Um, So, yeah, I think just really paying attention and having a passion to want to do better, being honest with ourselves and, um, and nurturing our relationships. So much of our 
shit comes up, you know, in, in relationship and whether it's relationship with your boss or, you know, relationship with the dog next door, um, you know, or a family member or a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. So there's just no shortage of opportunities and, and places where we can crack open, but our whole culture, you know, and our own bias and our own brains is geared towards shutting down, turning away from what's scary instead of challenging what's scary, you know, those kind of, you know, threats that, that won't actually kill us and pose a challenge for us, right? Like an odyssey to go through. So we have to act counterintuitively. We have to act counterculturally, counter societally, counter norm so that we can be people that are not part of this, of this, you know, Pink Floyd, the wall is coming to mind to me, right? So, so we're not just part of this machine that is, that is driving suicide and extinction. Right. Well, the, I mean, to heal the human psyche, it happens through the human persona or through human consciousness. I like what you were saying about, um, uh, when we bump up against that that shadow, so to speak, that um, to have a new dynamic, to have a new um, perhaps response to it, to, for um, to instead of push it away, to be open to it, to give it an opportunity to uh, to show us some of the junk in our trunk, so to speak, and. And I also liked mm-hmm. how you shared about it's our relationships that mirror our own junk back to us. And so mm-hmm. it, it seems like when we perhaps come to a point of friction or a point of this uh, uh, un, uh, where we're uncomfortable with what's coming up, a lot of times we can have perhaps a sub, even a subconscious reaction to just quit talking about it or avoid it or whatever and and really those opportunities are are the the healing pill the healing opportunity the catalyst perhaps that we need to bring a deeper resolution within our psyche how do you mm-hmm. how do you teach your ego not to uh, drop into reaction when this stuff comes up. I'm going to pause with that question. It's a fucking great question. Um, God bless. That's that's a brilliant question. And you know, sometimes I'm asked questions in interviews, and sometimes I I just need to pause, and it's like I I call it framing a question like I just want to frame that question and put it on the wall right so that so that it's one that's not answered right away and one that can trickle into our our awareness maybe over weeks or months um a a couple interviews ago I was asked one of those kind of questions and it was at the end of the interview with um uh Paul Samuel Dolan and he, he asked me he said he said how do we live beautiful lives in the midst of so much planetary grief. And it was such a, it's such a rich question and, and yours is, is, is equally rich. And, um, you know, like 
passion comes back to me. I think some of it has to do just with calling. Like, for whatever reason, I consider myself, like, built on with passion, right? Like, my passion has always sought these things out, and I've wanted to uncover. I've wanted to upturn. I've wanted to break apart and, and get messy with, with life and, and, and challenge myself to, 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 to be rebuilt from that. And um, so in terms of, you know, the ego part, you know, part of that I think is that the ego gets broken down when we're in pain. If you suffer enough, right, um, you know, your ego I think takes a blow a lot of the time, unless you're just like a crusty old person and you're just absolutely miserable and there's no, no window or crack whatsoever into your, into your being. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just reminded of this poem I was reading the other day. I just want to read a few lines from this poem and it's that the poem is called the back door to divinity. And I'll, you'll see why, why this, this line came up. So it's just the stanza that says, we all need that sacred gash. We all need that sacred gash. A cut beneath the rest. Don't hold back your pain and devastation, your hunger for enduring darkness that holds no promise save for a glimmer. These your only shovel and dynamite to enter what pleasure cannot plumb. And I think that those lines speak to what you asked oh, and, and what we're talking that's about. Beautiful. Yeah, that, that, was, that you know we're, was we're, wonderful. We're, we're, thanks. We're we're a, a pleasure seeking culture. We're addicted to pleasure and we're addicted to superficiality and and you know it's the throwaway culture. And if your soul calls for something more then it's going to call for something more and it's going to wake you up and it's going to speak when things crack in your life. And those are the opportunities when things crack. My whole entry into psychotherapy that I mentioned in my 20s when I went through that grief work, that was precipitated by my tearing my medial meniscus in my knee. And that was up in Seattle. I was traveling at the time looking for schools and I, my knee just like exploded when, when I was visiting a friend, I was doing some yoga stretches on the floor and I cried so hard. It was so painful. My knee just swelled up like crazy. And I called my friend to come home and she came home and she was holding me and I was just crying to her as she held me. And all of a sudden my tears, I started crying about my parents' divorce that was just the year before. And my meniscus represented to me in a, like an epiphanic kind of way. You know, it's just, I was like between my parents. I was the healer, right? I was the healer in the family. And so my torn meniscus was me just not being able to take the pressure and the pain anymore of my parents' relationship. And that, that propelled me into therapy, which unfolded this, this incredible healing experience that I had. And I was so grateful in the end, that my knee busted because it led me into this incredible path. And I ended up healing my knee without surgery, um, contrary to what the two orthopedic surgeons wanted me to do. I found a way to do that through Chinese medicine and other kind of internal alchemy stuff. But um, I don't even, oh, ego. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think I've said enough. <laughs> it's, 
You know, well, and, and maybe I'd answer that's just part of your question. I think the other part is 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 difficult. You know, we'd, I have to really think about it, but because it, it's one of those really rich questions. Well, I love what we're talking about, and again, I love your, your book is right in line with what we're talking about about healing the human persona. But you know, the other day when we were having a uh, a chat. Um, you mentioned the notion of uh, a, an aspect of what you wanted to talk about on the show about the idea of fighting uh, nature, fighting climate change, and and how fighting is is not the um, strategy or mindset that's really going to bring about what we're looking for. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, Right. So given what I've said and also the, you know, heal your, heal yourself, heal the planet, you know, I kind of reframe that, that the, the climate um, predicament as a healing relationship instead of a war relationship. And, you know, when we're at war and we use war terms like fighting climate change, right? Like we go fight climate change. We're fighting against nature, right? So it's almost like talk about ego, um, you know, it's like the human ego says, oh, we have to go fight the natural world to bring it back somewhere. Um, and we have to do it by these really, you know, there are a lot of crazy means to do that. And so, um, so when we do that, it's like we, we remove ourselves as causes of or nature's being unruly. Yes, we acknowledge that humans have, you know, created a lot of carbon emissions, and that's, you know, along with the other greenhouse gases warming the planet. But it's like it kind of stops there. Like we keep doing what we're doing, and the rest of the time we're busy fighting still. And so the healing, the healing framework or perspective brings it back to our relationship with the natural world and it, and it puts us at the center of the cause so that if we work from the inside out, it's acknowledging that we're not fighting anything. We're healing the situation by creating integrity within ourselves, enough integrity and enough open-hearted, wholeheartedness um, and right thinking to create a better world outside of us. And... Um, the other thing that that the that the war terminology invokes is demonizing the natural world, and you know just to encapsulate the, the first part of you know ad lib that I was giving, so so we demonize the natural world, and then we sort of effectively remove ourselves as as the center of of the issue. You know, with that said, I think that that's a really important dynamic and, and lens to look through. And, and just recently I've been reading some, you know, there's a meme going around right now on Facebook and it's of Greta Thunberg and it says, this is no longer a crisis. It's a war, right? I think I saw that like a couple times today on Facebook in the morning. And, and then you have uh, professor Michael Mann, the great climate scientist. Um, the, his book is like 
the new war on climate or something like that. And it's like, you know, and I just noticed that, you know, they're mentioning war, that it's time for war. And I, I, I understand what they mean. And in a sense, it's like, I think I have to update, you know, just looking at it through a healing lens. I think that's crucial, but I think we also need to appreciate the war part in the sense that we need to fight against the sociopaths and psychopaths that are, that are running, um, running our societies and our world and actually wrest the power away from them. And I think there is a place for, for that kind of fight. Nice. But it's you not know, so uh... much against, but it's not so much against the climate, right? It's, it's against the humans that are screwing the climate up the most. Beautiful. So I like imagination because we can see relationships by imagining. So imagine all the humans on the planet vanishing into thin air, poof, they're gone. And and the cities are abandoned, the cars, the everything that humanity is doing stops. And just like I mentioned earlier, that when cities have been abandoned, nature comes in and restores the harmony. So nature knows how to be harmonious with itself. I like Mm -hmm. the, the the, uh, my imagination shows me the Native American Indian, because here's humanity living in harmony with nature. So when we look at the climate chaos, if humanity would, and that's what I absolutely love about your book, if humanity would heal its own inner, which is an individual um, journey, all of us individually, to, to heal the scars of our of our pain that many of us don't even know exist would bring ourselves into harmony and w- and once we're in harmony i think our choices would be more in in harmony and as a result of that i mean what's going to what's going to quote fix the climate unquote is for humanity to live in harmony with the nature that humanity is. Humanity is an expression of nature. We're not separate. Mm-hmm. We're an integral part of nature. And and that's I think you're you're making that exact point. how can we we be at war with something we're an integral part of? It it's really yeah, it's the human a- persona that needs healing. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, we, we end up being at war with ourselves. And it, this, this conversation is so cool because you had mentioned something like 20 minutes ago and it slipped my mind in my response and you just alluded to it again. And it's like, boom, there it was. And I had wanted to say something, but, you know, I can't remember everything, nor can you. Um, but I just, I took a note actually. And you were talking about leaving nature to itself and abandoned cities and, and and that's true, you know, like nature will continue in some respect. And, you know, some of the some of the narrative out in the climate community is is, hey, you know, if if humans aren't gonna make it, if we're not gonna make it, let's let's do the best we can for the animals and the plants on the planet because we're gonna you know, we're already taking a lot of them out with us. So it's not only 
us that are is on the edge of extinction, but we've already um, extinguished countless you know, millions of species, and and something like a hundred and something go extinct each day. So, you know, like leaving the leaving nature to to take over is is okay. And I think that if 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 you want to talk compassion and you want to talk stewardship, like removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere that's just a bit of science right like removing carbon dioxide and working towards that not only for our own survival and thriving but for the natural world that exists right now is a compassionate gesture to the animals and to the plants and um because they they feel pain too so so i i think that the best that humanity could do right now is to to mobilize to get the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere as possible, cut down carbon dioxide emissions as much as possible, and not just think about ourselves in the equation. Because if we just you know, disappeared from the planet today, our emissions would continue at least for another 10.1 years, which is the peer-reviewed science that shows how long it takes for a molecule of carbon dioxide to reach its maximum warming potential, you know, and, and that's also a, a, a note and a communication that if we stop if we stop doing that today, we're still going to experience ten point year ten point one years of of continual maximal um, warming. So that's that's one of the points. And then um, you know another one is is you know I really appreciate science, and science is just one of those pieces in the in the yin yang equation, and it's you know technology and, and applications of science are usually a yang endeavor. And, and, and we need some of that yang to fight the yang of imbalance that we've created. And that's, that's what I just described. But the importance of, of couching and, and contexting science within the larger holistic is that human beings need to learn how to be decent and learn how to be, um, uh, compassionate towards life, right? And you were you were saying that less kind of, you know, building upon this this you know inner outer dynamic of getting our shit together to to you know stop projecting so much crap onto the world. So you know we need to to work together. So something that I mentioned in the book is that you know even if we like quote unquote fix the climate crisis to a certain degree where we can kind of survive in a in a broken world. It's like we have to work together to be able to do that, right? We have to work together. We have to, um, we have to learn how to communicate. We learn, have to learn how to love a lot more broadly and comprehensively, and we have to reprioritize what the hell we care about, right? So, you know, that expression, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you, you can't eat money and you can't, or you can't breathe money. So, um, so that's part of that holistic context where it's like, well, we don't want to get caught in that super linear, you know, yang version of just, you know, scientific um, ingenuity, but we want to have that within a context of, of holism so that humanity can be better at, at what we do and work together so that we can, you know, not just have a quick fix, but we can have a more yin terrain fix, right? We can, we can rechart 
the, the trajectory of humanity and how we do business on the planet, which is yin is yin represents that larger kind of collective momentum into the into the future, whereas yang is is like the specific angles that that we take at any given moment. Wow, beautiful! I I really like that. Well, now let's turn the attention on you. Now. Your bio says you offer presentations, workshops, and readings integrating holistic medicine, environmental activism, and share with our audience where they can get your book and also any services our audience might be interested in that you offer. Mm, Okay. Thanks. So I, I think the best place for that is, is my website. You mentioned that at the beginning of the show. That's Jack Adam Weber with one B in Weber, jackadamweber.com. And listen, there's the Nourish practice that's there, which is a, a beautiful mind-body practice. It's like a regeneration nervous system, you know, resting reset practice that I developed. Um, it's a really unique practice there. Um, my book is also at my website. You can also get it on Amazon. If you get it from my website, I'll send you a, a signed copy. Uh, and my poetry is all over my, my website. Um, I have done presentations, you know, similar, you know, actual presentations, not so much question and answer interview style, but there's some presentations at my YouTube channel, which is Jack Adam Weber. And there's also um, poetry there that, that I recite. There's, presentations, um, integrating a lot of the material that we've discussed here. Uh, I have articles. I have hundreds of articles out there. Some of them are at wakeupworld.com. So you can just Google Jack Adam Weber, wakeupworld.com. And I have lots of shadow work articles and emotional depth work articles, activism articles, mind-body integration articles, science articles. Uh, you know, I think that's enough. You can just peruse. I have a blog at my website, which is kind of cool. So I, I'd say just go to the website and, and, and poke around for the most part. I'm also on Instagram at Jack Adam Weber, and then I have a, you know, Facebook as Jack Adam Weber also. I post a lot on Facebook. I like it because I'm a writer, so I, um, I get pretty active on there. Beautiful. Well, Jack, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've absolutely loved this interview, and I I love your book. I want to thank you for being our guest. Thanks, Les. I I thought we had another couple hours, but I I guess our time is up. Um, (laughs) I could go a lot longer with you. I I want to thank you for a a really beautiful interview. I had no idea what you were going to ask. I'm just really touched and moved by, by your depth, by your insight, by your eloquence, um, it's always an honor for me to be interviewed by somebody who is is you know has has a good mind and a, and a great heart and and I'm I'm touched and moved and honored. Thank you. We've been talking with Jack Adam Weber, and the topic tonight has been the name of his book, Climate Cure: Heal Yourself to Heal the Planet. I very much recommend his book. Very well written. There's, it, it brings you into the material and provides many, many resources to help you heal yourself. 
so what the hell? What's what's power? What's powerful? I suggest to you I reserve the right to be wrong. I suggest you the most powerful substance on planet Earth is the human persona. On the shadow side of power, the human persona can make a nuclear arsenal and turn the planet into a dead rock. And we've actually built that crap out. But on the flip side of that, in a positive context, again, with conservative math, at least a billion prayers have been prayed to the notion of God. God, come save our ass. We're, we're, we're slaughtering ourselves. We, we have so much human-on-human inflicted pain on this planet. Billions of prayers over centuries or even thousands of years, and no glowing orb, zero glowing orbs come down from the sky to silence the cannons, to end the war, to end the suffering. Zero times has a glowing orb, some god deity, pick a religion, some god deity, come down and wave a wand and turn the slums into palaces to turn the suffering into healing, into vibrance, prosperity, happiness, health. Every single time, flesh and bones, you have to have a body. You have to have a physical body to be the vehicle of change. It's done unto us as we believe. What do we believe? What do we intend? I suggest to you the human persona is the most powerful vehicle of change on the planet. Yes, pray to God. But God will inspire you to to take action, to get off the couch, to be a vehicle. The, our mythology, our history shows that the human persona steps up to the plate. Gandhi, this this scrawny little logger, Gandhi, a scrawny little logger, a war machine, the British war machine shows up and Gandhi says, I'm not going to bring an army to fight an army. I'm going to be the vehicle of peace. Flesh and bones, flesh and bones shows up and changes the dynamic of an entire country. This scrawny little lawyer wins a battle without a gun. Noodle that. So I'm talking to you, the listener. You're a human persona. You are the vehicle of change. You are the the genome of the most powerful substance on the planet, I suggest. 
Don't discount why you're here. Don't discount your life purpose. Don't discount what your life has been. I don't care how many train wrecks you've had. You're here now. You're on planet Earth now. And with your intention and attention, you individually and us collectively can create whatever the hell we want if we choose to do that. So use your imagination to dream up an idea, to dream up a vision of what would look like as a rockin', happenin', happy place to live in harmony with nature, in harmony with itself. Prosperity and abundance. Community. Opulence. Dream it up and then bring it into form because you are the personification of, of God consciousness. You are the vehicle of change itself. Hey, I want to thank you for showing up for yourself. You listened to this episode. That shows that you've got some skin in the game. You showed up for yourself. I applaud you for that. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. It's my passion, my pleasure to bring you episodes like this. Jack was a great guest. I totally recommend his book. I'm your host, Les Jensen. As always, a pleasure. Thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open, check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. 